Hello and welcome to another Brandon Bonanza podcast. Before we get started, I'm going to go over the two ways that you can help support this show. First, you can donate by going to comedylol.com, clicking on the donate tab and sending us some sweet, sweet cash through PayPal. The second one is you can go to comedylol.com and at the top of the screen, click on the Amazon link, do all your Amazon shopping, and they give us a piece of it. And they don't charge you any extra. How wonderful is that? All right, guys, enjoy. Hear what I say. We are the business today. Function is finished today. All T and J. Need a new PB and J. We dropped the classic today. We did a tablet of acid today. The choice with the matches and ashes away. We dash away. That's the worst thing on the podcast ever, but I don't care. I'm going to stick with it for now. But anyway, I'm here with my guest today is Harper Lyles. Say hi. Hi, everybody. And um, she is a comedian that I came across at an open mic, and we cross paths every once in a while. And uh, I said uh, I sent her a message on Facebook because I wanted to kind of talk to her and see what she was all about. All right. Yeah. So you're about to find out. About to find out. <laughs> so uh, where are you from? Uh, born and raised North Carolina. Oh, I love North Carolina. Yeah. What part? Uh, it's a small town between Charlotte and Fayetteville. Oh, okay. All right. I, I say Fayetteville because military folk definitely know where yeah, Fayetteville yeah. is. Most people who are not military don't know where Fayetteville is. Yeah. People who know golf might know Southern Pines. That's mm. kind of an area where you could triangulate. Um, but yeah, I'm from a very small town in the middle of nowhere that no one would have re- any real reason to go to. That's great. I spent some time in North Carolina in the 90s when I was in the Marine Corps, so I definitely love... I love people from all over, and I just, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. It's great. That's why I wanted to kind of talk to you, too. It's just a different kind of perspective and mm-hmm. refreshing. Because it's been a while since I've been down south. I used to go every year to uh, to Myrtle Beach for a while also. <laughs> Have you been there? Oh, my God. Yeah, it was uh, something of a tradition back in high school to do um, – graduation weekend down at Myrtle Beach so two years in a row because I had a lot of friends in the class behind me we went a whole big group of us and had had a stupid good time none of us really drank at the time but that didn't really matter we all were kind of used to having fun with nothing so we, yeah we just made it happen yeah we, you don't really need to even drink that fun it's just no. a party down there so so you left North Carolina Left left at 18 and what was the uh, motivation for that, you think? To go to college and also get out of the South. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think? Yeah, it wasn't for you then, or you just... You no, wanted to... no. Could you see me as some barefoot pregnant <laughs> Baptist wife? <laughs> Hell no. 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 <laughs> no. There, there were... It, Those are the options? <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, be a barefoot pregnant Baptist wife, work in a gas station, get hooked on meth, um, <laughs> work at the prison teach at school none of those are remotely appealing to me yeah yeah so uh where'd you go i went to university of pittsburgh for my undergrad all right what'd you think about pittsburgh i still root for the steelers i adopted (laughs) i adopt i didn't like hockey when i moved to uh pittsburgh i'm Mm. you know southern stubborn southerner shit doesn't freeze where i'm from Yeah, yeah so i'm like this is a dumb sport and you people are dumb for liking it and so about my third year there the penguins are in the stanley cup playoffs and my friends are like okay sit down you're gonna like this and so I'm watching it I'm like oh wow I have no idea what's going on but I love it and yeah. I've pretty fully adopted the penguins at this point yeah hockey is a lot of fun to watch I have you ever been to a game many yeah many, yeah many it's games. really fun <laughs> I used to go to Quinnipiac games they were a lot of fun oh college hockey games are even more ridiculous yeah. than NHL hockey games yeah it was just insanity but it was mm-hmm. a lot of fun so um 
It was had, so. Had you been out of North Carolina before that a lot, or oh yeah, where oh, have yeah. you been? Where'd you go? <laughs> Prior to leaving North Carolina, I had been to about six countries and about. I don't know, 15, 20 states wow. prior to leaving. So So is there something that caused that uh, travel bug in you, or what do you think? It was it was partly uh, my mother's from Chicago, so we oh, okay. did a lot of road trips to and oh, from right. Chicago a lot. Um, we also have family out in Arizona. My mama took me to visit there. And then also when I was 17, um, I auditioned and was accepted for a national level honor band. It was uh, musicians between 16 and 22 from all over the country. And it was an abandoned chorus. And we rehearsed for four days in Pennsylvania and then did a six country, 10 concert tour of Europe. Wow. Yeah. And how long was that trip? That was 25 days. That was uh, 2004. Wow. Yeah. So where'd you go? Germany, Austria, Italy, Switzerland, France, and Luxembourg. That sounds pretty crazy. It was. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. I could, and how old were you then? 17. 17? Yeah, it's mm -hmm. almost been a great age to get out and like see the world. The first day of rehearsals was fantastic because everybody's flying in from all over. Mm -hmm. And I sounded like this, but worse <laughs> at the time. And so everybody's like, and so this girl from North Coast is like, oh, you talk really funny, eh? And I'm like, bitch, you're the, the, do, do you hear yourself? Like... <laughs> Yeah, and then there's like all these kids from like the West Coast, California, Arizona, all that, who had never seen fireflies in person before. Wow. Lightning bugs. I don't know how y'all call them up here. Yeah, yeah. But you know, they were just like mesmerized walking around trying to catch fireflies. <laughs> which, it was it was adorable. It was so cute. That's funny. I had a when I was um, in the Marine Corps, we were in Italy and it snowed and it was a lot like a lot of these guys they're like basically kids they'd never seen snow before so oh we had God. a snowball fight it was great <laughs> they were such amateurs <laughs> i remember in italy we were crossing from austria to italy we were in the alps on mm -hmm. one side of it and it was july and mm -hmm. it was snowing oh yeah yeah and me being you know southern and all that we get out of the all the kids from like michigan and minnesota <laughs> were like god damn it it's snowing <laughs> in july this is awful we came here to get away from this but me i was like yeah so there's like video footage of me like fully engaging in this snowball fight in this parking lot with all the kids from texas and florida <laughs> oh that's awesome yeah yeah everyone's like excited we've never seen snow before oh um, yeah it was it was it was great experience so what um do you play instruments you sing what do you do many many yes. instruments all the instruments well all not them. all the instruments but most of the instruments <laughs> since you were young really young, yeah or, yeah oh yeah what's your favorite you think favorite oh man depends depends yeah. on the what kind of music i'm playing um first instrument was i started clarinet and guitar about the same time um, I moved from clarinet to bass clarinet in middle school, picked up saxophones, alto tenor and berry in high school, picked up baritone horn at some point, picked up violin at some point. Wow. <laughs> picked up, oh, and there was piano in there too. Oh yeah, I just picked it up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I just, yeah, you I know, just I just up, learned I, how to play the yeah, piano. It's, I learned how to play the piano deal. at some point, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's that's great. That's amazing. So then, so from where did you go from Pittsburgh, or where'd you go after uh, that? After I finished my degree, I went out to Colorado for grad school. All right. And what was the, what made you choose Colorado? University of Denver has a fantastic master of social work program, and they also have a 
certificate in uh, bilingual social work, which I pursued and completed. So. All right. And then yep. are you working in that field now? I'm studying to get my, my Connecticut license. So hopefully that will happen soon. And is that what to be a social worker? To get my, the, the title in Connecticut's <laughs> weird because in Colorado, I was just a licensed social worker. And in Connecticut, I would become a licensed master social worker, which makes me feel like I have like magical powers. I'm a master social worker. Master social worker. But yeah, right. It um basically Connecticut is a lot more regulated than Colorado in terms of what of you have everything. to be licensed for. Yeah, for everything. <laughs> yeah. Some ways not, but um mm. for for everything um. It's, it's a lot more regulated when it comes to human services, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So in order to get my, like, the license didn't matter much in Colorado, but mm-hmm. here in Connecticut, I can definitely get some better paying jobs with the license. So I got my test in a couple of weeks. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Nervous? No. Yeah. I'm just, you know, relearning two degrees in two weeks. It's fine. Yeah. It's completely <laughs> fine. So um, how was Colorado? I lived there for seven years, and it changed a lot when I but the during when, the time. What, what year did you move there moved there 2009 and I left 2015 okay yeah a lot of things changed between those those mm-hmm. years obviously marijuana right. became recreational yeah legal. that was that was the driving <laughs> force of it I feel like things would have changed eventually anyway mm-hmm. when I was when I first moved out there it was a very high level of rental vacancy like I could find an apartment the next day at age 22 with no credit with my friend who was also 22 with no credit. <laughs> my landlord had a mustache and a tiki shirt on and he says, yeah, I'm going to check your credit, but I mostly go on good vibes. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right. So ben I, from Ben and Jerry's was your landlord. <laughs> yes. His name was Doug, but right. <laughs> yeah, Doug lived in Boulder. That's just what he did. And yeah, he was, he was a good dude, good landlord. But, um, so when I first moved to Denver, well, the first year I was in grad school, you don't have a social life when you're in grad school. But then after I graduated, it was definitely like balls deep in the recession. Mm-hmm. So that really just upended social economic life for everybody. So that was a very interesting time. Just in, I think nationwide, yeah. that was an interesting time. Yeah. But then to ha- then in 2012, when we're still not completely cut, recovered from the recession, the marijuana bill was put on the, the ballot. I don't think anybody thought it would pass. Yeah. There wasn't extensive polling. There wasn't extensive advertising. I, I just remember being aware that it's there because I keep track of things like this. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, I keep track of, like, legislative <laughs> shit in general. But so I was aware, like, okay, you know, Amendment 64 is on the ballot. Cool. It's not going to pass. And so I'm watching the returns come in 2012. Okay, Obama got reelected. Cool. And then I see this, like, ticker at the bottom of the screen Amendment 64, Colorado, 30% of the vote in, 60% passed. And I was like, wait, what the, what is going on here? And so I'm just like watching, watching, and then they're like projected to pass. So I switch over to local news at this point. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, 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 Obama, great, yeah, uh, Governor, great, yeah, Senator. So we, we just did that, y'all. We just did that. That's and they're great. like, they're like cutting the footage of hippies in Grateful Dead shirts celebrating in the street yeah like the newscasters are being like frantically interrupted by statements from the u.s justice department we would like to remind the residents of colorado that marijuana is still federally illegal <laughs> that's the thing you want to hear when you're sparking up a celebratory bowl man yeah, right. like i pause like, <laughs> come and take well, it man <laughs> well i mean 
okay, cool. And then they get another statement handed to them from John Hickenlooper, who's the governor of Colorado, who's probably the coolest governor in the country. Oh, yeah, yeah. He ran for mayor of Denver by paying people's expired parking meters and then saying, <laughs> I just paid your parking meter. Vote for me for mayor. By the way, I brew beer, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's John Hickenlooper, and so he's governor of Colorado. So he, him and his true-to-self fashion puts out a statement that says, we are working with the Department of Justice to ensure that we implement the will of the voters of the state of Colorado. However, marijuana is still federally illegal, so don't break out the Cheetos and Mountain Dew yet. <laughs> you think that was sponsored by Cheetos and Mountain Dew? <laughs> I don't know, but I know I did know I do know that after things started passing, so uh, November 2012, it was voted on. January 14, it went live. Um, and so in the meantime, there's all these, like, legislative things that are happening. And I'm a nerd about that stuff. So I'm like, ooh, they're going to form a committee. Mm. Ooh, and there's a subcommittee on, like, safe packaging. Let's follow that. <laughs> but also in the meantime, like, all these donut shops started opening up and all these pizza places, which it's hard to make pizza at that altitude. Um, yeah, I can imagine, right? Yeah, yeah, pizza there sucks. So donut shops start opening and try to start perfecting their high altitude recipes mm -hmm. and just any like stereotypical stoner centric business starts opening so that January 1st 2014 <laughs> they were just ready <laughs> they were ready to make it happen that's the did you see any um uh any kickback from the federal level or any um resistance no. yeah nope the my did you hear about anything or my anything? understanding was this was the eric holder's justice department at the time he basically said to colorado don't fuck it up mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> basically was like we're gonna let you guys conduct this experiment mm -hmm. you and oregon you both have very different tactics of doing it because they did Ours was a straight-up constitutional amendment mm -hmm. to the state constitution of Colorado. So that would be very, very difficult to overturn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then Oregon, I think, just enacted a statute. Like, mm -hmm. they didn't do... But whereas Colorado changed its Their friggin' constitution. constitution. Yeah. So... There is a provision in the Constitution that you don't have any right to employment and usage of marijuana. Like, your employer can still test you. That's, like, in, mm -hmm. that's like written in stone. But he did say to the state and the legislature and every stakeholder there, like, don't fuck it up. Mm -hmm. And people I knew that were working in the marijuana industry at the time were very proud of what they had accomplished in getting it legalized. And then the work they were doing, working with the state to make sure it was implemented appropriately. Like, they took it very seriously. Mm -hmm. There was a wave of, uh, so there were more medical dispensaries than there were Starbucks in Denver. <laughs> At the time this passed, you got to understand it was. Oh yeah, it was, I, I, yeah, definitely understand. Yeah, it was de facto <laughs> legal long before, but there was a yeah. period of time in 2010 when they were kind of just letting anybody open up a medical dispensary, <laughs> and they the, so the regulation came after those guys shut them down real quick, and so the like the goddamn stoners that failed basically mm -hmm. the they had already cleared the underbrush of goddamn stoners out the way so like the trees of actual business could could grow mm -hmm. and so by and large they did it good mm -hmm. they done good that's cool yeah mm -hmm. I, I, a lot of states i don't think have the um they don't they're shocked and surprised and don't haven't time like las vegas i think it took them a year and a half maybe to implement or maybe it was over that's a year. about the same yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So it was about that long. Yeah, November oh, right. twenty twelve to January fourteen. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I was thinking it was the following January. No. All right. Yeah. 
Um, so how did you see it change then? How, how did it start to change? Well, or did you start to got, notice, you know? Well, rent got too damn high for one thing. Yeah. But it doubled. How long did it take? Was it, you know... <sighs> it was... Like within a year? Or oh, what? God, it started really quickly. Mm-hmm. I got these... Uh, my, my family spans the political spectrum quite widely. Mm-hmm. And I went home for Christmas immediately after all that had happened. And my most Republican uncle <laughs> looked me straight in the face and said, buy property now. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not of the means to do this. <laughs> but yeah. um, it started, you know, property rates started going up significantly. Rent started going up. Not only that, different... I don't know how you would call it. Different parts of the city started passing zoning ordinances that basically said you need to gussy up your business or shut down. Oh, wow. Yeah, you need to clean it up or shut down. Like beautification Col- kind of stuff? Yeah, because Colfax Avenue, you got to understand, was a 26-mile-long skid row and red light district in the 80s. Oh, wow. And that's where I lived. Yeah. So, so how was it when you were there? It was when you first got there. When I first got there, you could still see hookers. Yeah. I mean, they weren't bothering anybody. They were working, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. they were just, you know, they were just doing work. If you went into certain bars, a, a hooker, like if she was having one time, a hooker that was definitely having a slow night came up to me and asked me, "Are you okay, darling?" And I'm like, "I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm fine." <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. And with that, you know, kind of glint in her eye and i was like well you got to have respect she's a hustler you know what <laughs> yeah, i mean she's I not leaving any stone unturned <laughs> no. i i admire that work ethic you know, know. <laughs> i'm just saying they're like yeah okay i've definitely been solicited by a prostitute <laughs> i lived on colfax for six years like it's just gonna friggin' happen to you so mm-hmm. where i lived it was a weird mix of like prostitutes and felons <laughs> and like people with money now do and, you think that's from drugs maybe from meth or what do you think was causing any of that stuff or the just felons? no just the the overall uh licentiousness you know like the <laughs> prostitutes and all that or was it just not a lot of money i think it's just an old west holdover to yeah. be honest I yeah, mean, yeah denver was founded on whiskey and hookers yeah you gotta understand <laughs> the way old western towns were founded it's not like new haven colony school was, us tell us new ha- yeah i will tell you yeah I love new, it. new haven colony was founded because the massachusetts puritans were getting a little too rowdy <laughs> like they weren't puritan enough so they were yeah. like we need to form a puritan ass <laughs> colony yeah i so don't that's think why people you got, like, that. you got like church chapel and temple street all downtown <laughs> yeah. new haven and got me lost as a motherfucker when i first moved here (laughs) but so you got that like that house of worship boulevard (laughs) yeah and so then whereas you go out west where yeah people really did go to get away from church also because they had criminal records and also Mm -hmm. because they heard there was gold and silver in them their heels and so denver is where a small river very very small river happens to be at the base of the rocky mountains and so these this weird confederation of saloon owners prostitutes and prospectors all got together and said well here's as good a place as any to keep the prostitutes in the saloons (laughs) while we go up in the hills and mine (laughs) yeah yeah you got to keep them more accessible right yeah and that's pretty much the founding of every western city like at least the rocky mountain western cities I, i can't really speak for desert west but yeah yeah rocky mountain west that's pretty much how it was all founded it's almost kind of like deadwood yeah, something like I've never seen that, but oh, I'll no, take yeah, your word for it's, it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's about the Black Hills in South Dakota. It's yeah, really, really good. Yeah, yeah, those guys definitely. Yeah, so I mean, I think it's kind of a holdover. Like, like the women just kind of always did prostitute themselves out mm-hmm. west. So, like, why are they going to stop now? Yeah, yeah. Like my mommy did it, and <laughs> well, I don't. I really don't look down on prostitutes. I have a different. <laughs> 
view. I mean, I, I've never solicited a prostitute, you know, <laughs> myself. Not yet, anyway. Have you been solicited by a prostitute? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> a bunch of times, yeah. I've been to Atlantic City and Las Vegas, yeah. I, I have con- I'd have conversations with, um, if I could, like if I was at a bar and there was a, yeah. a, a hooker or whatever you want to call her there. <laughs> I talked to this one girl. She was really cool. And I, I let her know right away I wasn't interested. I just wanted to talk because it yeah. was a slow night, you know? Yeah. And I got about five minutes of conversation. But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. You know, most of them were like, listen, I just like to have sex and it's, uh, <laughs> I'm, I don't want to work. This is a great way. Or, you know, this is my the work I prefer. And I, listen, there's a need out there. Some people yeah. want to have the sex. So I think that it should be legal. And, you know, I'd rather have it legal. I think it's safer that way. Yeah. You know, whenever anything's legal, it's in the forefront and it's not done, you know, in the back alleys. Yeah. So I think, uh, and I just think at least not we the back alley free. I used I mean, to live in. Yeah, exactly. Oh God, one time, mm, so there was this gay bar right around the corner from my old apartment building, and it was like this. It wasn't like a gay bar. It was <laughs> not like, like the Blue Oyster. No, no, no. It was like a neighborhood middle-aged dude gay bar. Nice. And I would go in there because I didn't want to deal with a straight bar, and. Also, I, I had kind of like made friends within that circle of like middle-aged gays, and I've been told like this this really sweet guy over here, he's a gigolo, but mm. you know he's he's really sweet, you know, and he was he was total total doll, and so I'm cutting through the little driveway between the apartment building and the businesses, and I see a guy like standing really awkwardly, and we're making like serious eye contact, and it's not breaking, and I get closer and I hear him say, oh, she doesn't mind. And I'm like, what don't I mind? And I see this head turn from the guy's crotch that I didn't realize was there. And it was my gigolo friend. <laughs> and and he looks at me. I was like, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. I'm like, nope, carry on, carry on, carry on, carry on. You got to make a buck. Carry yeah, on, you carry gotta on. Get out there and get that money. Yeah. That's awesome. So it's not like that anymore is what you're saying? I, I, don't, I, I don't really know because, I mean... After a while, you got to get off Colfax, mm-hmm. and so I did get off Colfax. I lived in Aurora for a while, mm-hmm. and I don't really know what the prostitution scene on <laughs> Colfax is these days, but I do know that they were definitely cleaning up the businesses, yeah, and yeah. kind of probably taking a broken window theory to the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, kind of like uh, New York City Times Square kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. A lot of businesses started changing hands, like this one particular corner business that went became a ballroom dancing studio and then a hip hop shop and then a something and then a something. And by the time I left, it was a restaurant that served your food on a cutting board. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I would see these like, you know, $500 strollers <laughs> and these couples that could afford these $500 strollers walking up and down the same sidewalk that I've thrown up on many a time <laughs> and seeing these, you know, acts of prostitution. And I'm like, that wasn't but five years ago. Yeah. Uh, like I was a, I worked for a housing nonprofit and I inspected apartments that people on programs were leasing. And I would see the same building five years later, like you just put on a coat of paint and called yourself the vibe. And now you're charging <laughs> like double the rent. And I was like, fool, you used to take section eight. Don't thank you. <laughs> wow. That's, that's crazy. Now, do you think, um, as other states are legalizing marijuana, especially around Colorado, do you think it's going to maintain that status of a uh, I wonder. Class? Yeah. I really wonder. I feel like California legalizing is going to be a big test. Yeah. Because people who would fit in in Colorado would also fit in in California. And I feel like, I don't know. I don't know. Are people going to go back to where they came from? I went somewhere completely different. So, yeah. um, I, I don't know. There, there, was, uh, there was one neighborhood that I... Uh, saw be 
in the middle of the gentrification wars. <laughs> and when I, so I worked as a social worker in the roughest neighborhood in Pittsburgh. And I had these clients who, who were from Denver talk to me. And they straight up said, like, white girl, don't go past Federal Boulevard. Don't mm-hmm. go west of Federal Boulevard, white girl, because they will eat your ass alive. Like, you're tough as shit, but they will eat your ass alive. And, I was and like, that's okay. in Denver, you're saying? Yeah, yeah back okay. in Denver. And All right. So I was like, okay, you know me. You know how I function <laughs> in this neighborhood. If you're telling me this, I believe you. So I was like, okay, I just don't go west of Federal. That's just how it is. Well, little did I know that west of Federal just, like, became ground zero, you know, like a ground war for very aggressive property buying. Wow. Like people were buying these single family homes, tearing them down and building what I called these cubic monstrosities. It was that like terrible modern, postmodern square mm-hmm. construction. And I'm like, why are you building square shit here? It snows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. It, the, it, You're just going to get feet of snow on top yeah, of Yeah, like it's Denver. Like, come on. Uh, but bless their hearts. Bless their hearts. I remember I was doing Uber once and I picked up, I got a ping in that neighborhood and I was just like, okay, it could be either like a Latina teenager going to her third job or some gentrifying hell couple. And sure enough, it was a gentrifying hell couple, you know, man and woman. I pick them up. I'm not taking them very far. I'm taking them to a very nice bar in the neighborhood. And we pass through parts that are not quite gentrified. And every time we pass through a part that's not quite gentrified, they had to out loud comment on it. <laughs> I had I had never wished for them to get out of my car and be hit by another car so badly. Like What kind of comments? Oh, there was this one bar that had a hand-painted sign of live music, no cover. And they're like, oh, good. I wouldn't go pay to go into that place. It's probably Just, the best music, too. Yeah, probably <laughs> right. best music and best food that yeah. they will never have. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just <laughs> like, what the hell? Like... I, I remember like that comment and a few other things happening made me realize like I got to get out of here. <laughs> this is Denver. You were fun while you lasted, <laughs> yeah. but I'm gonna pack my bags and see what the East Coast has to offer. <laughs> so I I understand all that, but then why Connecticut? I've got family here. Oh, okay, all right. That's yeah. the only thing that really makes sense. Yeah. Because um, I mean, I you know, I I think there are a lot of positive things to Connecticut as far as geography. Like you have a beach. It's not the best beach, but we have beaches. We have mountains. They're not the best mountains. They're like hills. <laughs> They're like hills, but we still yeah, have, you I know, know, I know, I know. You can go hiking. There's woods. We have farms. We have cities. They're not the best, but we have all that <laughs> stuff, you know. We have like New Haven's like a mini kind of New York, you know, a Manhattan yeah. kind of deal. Um, well, the way Manhattan is now anyway. Uh, so I've, I think there are some things, but, I, you know, like you were talking about the regulations and the taxes and all that stuff is just I mean, it's the cost of living. It's just insane. Well, that and Colorado has what's called, uh, they passed it in 2003. It wasn't the best of ideas, but it was called the Taxpayer's Bill of Rights. And it says any (laughs) tax increase not linked to inflation, although I think inflation-related increases are subject to this, must be put to popular vote. Oh, wow. So uh, places like Boulder that are very, very, very progressive will pass anything that's put in front of them. Wow. Whereas Colorado Springs, which is very, very right wing. Yeah. Like you cross into El Paso County and you see the Ronald Reagan Memorial Highway. <laughs> like, the, the actor? No. <laughs> yes, yes, the actor in all of his jobs. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like they have the focus on the family center there. So they like, they won't pass anything that's put in front of them. So it's been interesting but they've had to get creative in terms of technology so Mm. 
When you go to a library there, you can check out your own book at a self-kiosk. When you go to the DMV there, you say, I'm here to renew my registration. I have my documents. Oh, here's a piece of paper that tells me my number. I can go sit down like a human being in two seconds flat. Whereas here, it took like three separate trips to the DMV to get yeah. all my stuff changed over. Two hours standing in line just so some pensioner can look at my thing and be like, yeah, I'm like, fool, you're, you're, yeah. you're a computer waiting to happen. Yeah, yeah, that's that that's the that's the number one thing. And the other thing is, you know, when it's I always notice this too cuz I've grown up in Connecticut. You know, I got out for a while when I was in the Marines, but I've always hated the DMV. And I always realize it's like they don't care because if if you complain, there's no there's no competition, no. you know what I mean? You can't go down the street to the other DMV, DM, no. so they don't give a f no. They really, you know, so I used to just like try to kiss their ass and be cool, and I found <laughs> this one guy I was real nice to and I used to go see him when i needed stuff but yeah it's it's real weird it's cool it, it, they like wield this power it's so funny yeah. they get a little bit of power man it's well, like I worked dude for, i worked for not everyone government. in the dmv just in case someone's listening who's in the dmv there's some <laughs> lovely people at the dmv but. well i worked for local government in colorado for a while so you so must understand that right it was it was very interesting the i remember this is going to make me sound extremely vain but mm -hmm. most <laughs> and like you know i get my degree in social work i'm working for the county and a lot of, the, you know, my degree is a master's, and a lot of these women that had been working there for 20 years probably had a high school diploma or associate's maximum. They were just doing the intake work, assessing what program are you even eligible for at all. Mm -hmm. They were all, like, 250 pounds and had these well-done mullets that they obviously had to volumize and style every day. <laughs> And I'm just like you didn't roll out of bed like that, like with that volume on your <laughs> yeah, head. Yeah. Like it's not that a, took work. It's a helmet, and it's conscious <laughs> effort. And I'm just sitting here like I don't want to be you when I grow up. <laughs> like I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. But I it, but I like there's been a process of elimination, and it's not you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, hey, social work's a means to an end. To be honest, I got my degree. I'm proud of that. But yeah, yeah. I, and I can I can do it, and I can do it well. But mm. will it be? The, I hope I hope it's not like the thing that people remember me for when I die. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, you like I said in the beginning of the podcast, I met you because you're at an open mic doing comedy, and you are a musician. And I didn't say this yet, but you are an actor also. So, where do you see yourself with all that stuff? Is that something you're trying? I mean, it's, it's a silly I'm trying question, to make obviously. them all happen. I'm yeah. um, currently working in a production of the musical Cabaret, mm -hmm. in which I am in the orchestra. I'm playing clarinet and bass clarinet for the production. We had our first rehearsal yesterday, and that was that was a lot of fun. It's a theater group I've worked with before. We're starting to come up on a uh, professional audition season, so I'm going to be doing those. You do them once a year for the theater company, and you mm -hmm. don't really audition for a specific role. You pick monologues and songs that say, here's the kind of actor I am, here's the kind of singer I am, and gotcha. if it fits your bill, hire me. Mm -hmm. But it, it can take years of making that happen. So in the meantime, you do like community-level work just to keep your resume built. But And practice, yeah. too, right? Exactly, I mean, yeah. yeah. yeah keep... I mean, you learn something new every show. Yeah. And then what made you get into comedy? Um, the, with you the think you're funny or something? No. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I had done improv and sketch back in Colorado, and I really did appreciate that. I tried stand up a couple times, but I was also working a nine to five job, and the mics were like at midnight. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah that's just brutal. Like, scheduling was it was brutal. Because you had a real job. Yeah, you know, it wasn't like yeah. Yeah, like the ones here are actually much more <laughs> better scheduled yeah. for that, but um. 
So I didn't really do that much out there. But then I come out here and I'm like, okay, well, these are more sane. Let's, let's see what happens. And I like the... The the thing that's wonderful and scary about it is, as an actor, you have these other actors that you're working with, you're playing off of. You have a director that has your back, as mm-hmm. long as you're not a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. You have a stage manager that has your back, as long as you're not a piece of shit. You have lighting, lights and producers and all that shit who have your back, as long as you're not a piece of shit. <laughs> but if you're a comedian, you're writing yourself. You're directing mm-hmm. yourself. You're producing yourself. And that's why I did it, because I'm like, okay, I get this level of creative freedom that I don't really see see myself having in these other things I do but that is what is terrifying about it oh yeah definitely it could be very scary I can understand that oh hey what's up I forgot to lock the door, so we had an interruption. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm probably just going to leave it in there. That was hilarious. I met my <laughs> met my real job, guys. Um, so, so you were say you were talking about um, yeah the freedom of stand up, but how yeah. it also is scary. Too. Yeah, it's just scary as hell because you're all by yourself. Yeah, you're all by yourself, and in the theater world, one of the ways to be a fucking asshole is if you are an actor and you give another actor unsolicited feedback, or as we would call it in the theater world, notes. At the end of every rehearsal, most every rehearsal, a director will sit down and say, hey, you know, Scott, you need to say this line a little different. Terry, you need to try this. Harper, you need to try this. Or she'll go scene by scene. Or ha- Each mm-hmm. director's a little different. Mm-hmm. But it really does undermine the director's cohesion. If actors start saying to each other, hey, why don't you try saying this with this inflection or why don't you try it with that intention or maybe build your character this way? Because I build my whole character in my head. Like the last show I did, I was just this weird maid that was comic relief, but I had her whole friggin' backstory in my head. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like don't mess with that. Everybody has that. If they're worth anything as an actor, they will be doing this. So as a comedian, it's like, okay, I've got it in my head, actors don't give each other notes, but then what's that with comedians? Like, are we each other's fellow actors, mm-hmm. or are we going to act as each other's directors, you know? Yeah. It's really, it's, it's, I'm still navigating that, but that's been an interesting thing to wrestle with. Wow, I never thought about it from that way, but I definitely, when you're saying, I see it's definitely a mix of both, mm-hmm. and I think it really depends on individual person because you know as a comedian a lot of people won't be able to take the criticism and then some people will want it and then the other way you know some people ask you for criticism and then some people just don't didn't either pay attention or don't want to give it because they're inside their own head yeah so i could i could see that so how do you feel have have you gotten any solicited or unsolicited advice i'm not wild about unsolicited advice (laughs) um and then i've had some unsolicited advice that was actually good and constructive Mm -hmm. uh some people are better at giving it than others frankly (laughs) (laughs) and um uh, some are not and i've got a pretty thick skin like Mm -hmm. you know some people would say like try this joke try that joke differently i'm like yeah but i also saw like a boatload of people laughing at that joke that weren't you so (laughs) maybe this is just subjective and maybe this is just you yeah and also sometimes I don't, I don't know how often this is true, but there's times that it feels like, oh, you're a man telling a woman what to do, like, fuck off. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I'm like, okay, yeah, 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 blah, 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 uh-huh, smile, nod, mm-hmm. smile, nod, smile, nod. 
bye bye. Yeah. So it definitely <laughs> will get, leave like a negative taste in my mouth if I meet someone who is very bad at it. That being yeah, said, yeah. there are those who, even though unsolicited, have given me advice in a way that has been very empowering. Mm-hmm. And so that's always well and good. If you have a gift for giving advice, it's actually constructive and empowering, and it's not just you know shaking your finger at somebody mm-hmm. then by all means but then also there's the whole like do how do you ask for feedback or whatever i'm not i'm not particularly good at saying like hey i actually need help with this yeah i'm not, I'm not good at that so it's just a whole part of the weird ass journey i guess yeah yeah it really is a weird ass journey it takes <laughs> it takes a village i guess yeah yeah that that's definitely true with the advice i think that if somebody comes to you and it's more of suggestive, kind of like, hey, did you think of this? Instead of, you should do this, Mm because you get people that come up to you. And the other thing I get always is people that come up to me and they're like, hey, I got an idea for a joke. And I'm like, you should do it. I'm like, no, why don't you try it? And they're like, ah, I'm like, no, it's, you know, this is (laughs) you. I'm like, listen, my, have you ever heard my jokes? I'm like, I don't talk about, I don't know, like, I got to talk about what is funny to me or what relates to me and then try to make it relatable to everybody else I think which is the hardest uh, that is very hard I'm not good like professionally as a social worker I can relate to other people because it's scripted Mm -hmm. the interaction at the end of the day and also like I know what kind of boundaries I have but like you know just like being social like if you get like more than like four or five people around me I just kind of like shut down Mm because I'm just I don't know why like one-on-one I'm fine like you know with two or three people around I'm fine four or five six twenty people around and it's like no no this is exhausting I'm going and I can't hear you I have a hard time hearing from playing all those stupid instruments Mm -hmm. so I'm like okay all y'all are blah 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 (laughs) and I can't hear you so especially ah." like in a bar or something yeah yeah yeah, it's like okay I can't it's dark I can't read your lips like all y'all are talking well it's like "Ah." Mm -hmm. so (laughs) yeah no I hear you yeah so do you uh (laughs) Going back to the moving around a lot, do you see yourself in Connecticut for a while? or Indefinitely, but not eternally. Yeah. Yeah, that's that makes sense. That's cool. And um, probably going to wrap it up here in a minute. So I guess I want to ask you, where do you, see, where do you see yourself going forward in your life? You know, I don't know. Like, figuring it out, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I'm doing my, getting my license, you know, working, mm-hmm. doing all this, open to opportunities, going to keep auditioning, keep doing theatrical shows keep writing and you know that that's what makes me happy and I'm just going to keep doing that and see what happens and hopefully someday all this will have been for something yeah well I guess if as long as you have a good time doing it yeah and like when you're about to die you can look back and say hey I had a great time this is kind of why I want to do these podcasts because I feel like a lot of people that I'm friends with that might be listening could be in a job where mm-hmm. they're they hate it and they're like, well, how can I, how can I change it? So I like to have people on that do different things and kind of sure. give a uh, insight to that. So thank you for talking to me. I really appreciate it. And uh, talk to you soon. All right. What? Hear what I say. We are the business today. Function is finished today. RT and J. We the new PB and J. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to my interview with Harper Lyles. Once again, if you want to help out, go to comedylol.com. You can donate to the show here, or you can also click on the Amazon link on the top of the page. Do all your shopping there, and then we get a piece of it. It doesn't cost you any more, but it helps us out, and every little bit helps. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or anything you want to talk about or heard or be heard discussed, is what I meant to say, any topics that you want us to talk about, go to brandon at comedylol.com. Thanks, guys.